Hey, um, real quick, um, we're in this series. I'm going to kind of give you kind of an overview where we're going. Uh, the book of Daniel is an Old Testament book, and Daniel's a major prophet. Da- Daniel is, uh, the book of Daniel kind of picks up, it's 12 chapters, and it takes place in about 600 B.C. But I want to tell you why we're going through this series, because um, first of all, uh, this is a book that was written by Pastor Chris Hodges, who, um, I love Pastor Chris Hodges. He's a, a, a he planted a church called Church of the Highlands about 20 years ago, and uh, he believes in church planting. By the way, we believe in church planting here. Uh, I just believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that it's a vehicle that helps people connect to God and everything he wants for them. So what we do is we plant, uh, we give to, to have more churches planted. And Pastor Chris Hodges wrote a book about this idea of uh, this dilemma that we have with, with culture. And the dilemma is, is real, honestly, it, you're in it every day because whether you realize it or not, there's a dilemma for you. And here's the dilemma. How do I live in a, in a way that honors God in a culture that really seems like it wants nothing to do with godly values? How, how do I live for God in an ungodly culture? How do I actually make a difference? And not just like, and I know it's really, you know what's easiest? The easiest thing to do is to pick a side, dig your heels in and say, this is who I am. Forget you if you don't agree with me. That's easy. You can, dude, you can make, you could. there's a lot of people that did that during the pandemic. They're like, peace out. We're just gonna vacate from the world. But I'm like, wait, there's still people that we have to influence in the world. There's still people that are like, hey, I'm drowning here. I'm, I need a life vest. And, and we have a bunch of life vests. His name is Jesus. And he gave, he gave us the good news of the gospel to go and throw everyone that's drowning a life preserver that will save them. That's what we believe. So if we go on the mountain of just like, we're just going to hang out and just be like our old holy huddle and never engage culture, then we're actually missing the very reason that Jesus came to this earth. That's, you can talk back. That's good, Pastor. I like that. You can say amen. Amen. Yes. Come on. All right. So how do we live for God in in an ungodly culture? First of all, I want to kind of give you a little background on this book. Um, The Old Testament is kind of interesting. It's not written chronologically. So the Bible is not written in order from, you know, year to year. It's actually written in the Old Testament is categorized by themes or kind of topics, uh, uh, sections of types of scripture, types of writings. So the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch is really kind of the story of God's people. Uh, the story of creation and God's people. Then we see the next are historical books. After that, we see uh, kind of the, the poetic books with Proverbs and Psalms, etc. You see Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. These are more poetic type of, uh, type of writings. And then we get into these people called the prophets. Now, the prophets are broken up into two categories, major prophets and minor prophets. Not major because like they're better, major because there was more volumes of, of, of scrolls. They had more written about this time period. So Major prophets are longer, minor prophets are shorter. So there you go. You just learned something about the Bible. Um, But the big thing is Daniel is a a book about history and about prophecy. So the first six chapters of this guy, Daniel, of this book, Daniel, that he wrote, it's really about the story of God's people. And the last six chapters uh, are really the story of what's to come. We see this in the book of Revelation. If you ever read the, the Bible to the end, right? It's like, what's going to happen? Um, all the, 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 the prophetic book of Daniel is actually mentioned most in Revelation. It's, it's the most referenced book in the book of Revelation. Now, what does that have to do with where we're at today? Um, just to give you some context, 
this Daniel would have lived around 600 BC during a, during a time period where God had let his people become slaves of Babylon. It was called the Babylonian exile. This is a time period where God said, hey, if you want to keep worshiping false idols, go for it. But eventually I'm going to hand you over to the world. And that's exactly what happened. Because here's why. God eventually, he'll let you do what you want to do. No, God will never force you to love him. Did you know that? Like he doesn't force anyone, like he doesn't want robots. Like he doesn't want people just like, my daughter asked me like, why didn't God just make us love him? I'm like, because it wouldn't be love because love needs to be a choice. I just went to a wedding yesterday and the, the pastor talked about covenant and he talked about the covenant of love. And he talked about love is demonstrated through actions. And for us to love God, we can't just do this. We can't just be, I love God. And the minute God steps on our toes, because it's actually, he's asking us to lay down our idea of what's true because it, it feels a certain way. The minute we say, no, God, I don't want to do that anymore. God says, well, I'll let you do what you want to do, but there's going to be a consequence. And that's exactly what God did to the Israelites. And we pick up in Daniel chapter one, and here's what happens. Daniel and his friends are about to really risk their lives for their belief system. They're, going to, they're putting themselves out there. They're four Jewish young men. They're Israelites. They're, they're young, good-looking guys, smart, and they were picked for a reason because the, the Babylonian king wanted to capture the next generation of Israelites, indoctrinate them with a different worldview, a different ideology, and then use them for his purposes. These four boys go, no, we don't want to do that. And here's what happens. They're trying to live godly, in a culture that's saying, that is not truth. In a culture that's saying, the only truth that we follow is the king. He's our God. And whatever God you're worshiping, you need to go, you need to stop that right away because there is no true living God, Yahweh. And they're going, I think we're gonna have to step back from the table and live a little differently. Can I speak to some people in the house today? I think God is calling some of us this morning to get courage to begin living differently than the rest of the world. And far too long, people are, I, I think this whole last 18 months, we're talking about back to church. Back to church Sunday. Why? Because some of us, I think, have drifted. Maybe, I'm not trying to build a big church. I'm trying to reach people and empower them to listen to the Holy Spirit in their own life and live their convictions. But if you stick around long enough, I think God will begin to use your life around here. And I think God will use you to be a blessing to others. But here's the, here's the question. When culture shifts, will you shift with it? Because I think a lot of us have some things we need to learn from this story today. Here's Daniel chapter one. The Bible says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged Jerusalem, besieged it. And the Lord delivered, Jeho the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So this guy, this King Nebuchadnezzar, goes in, takes over, defeats the king of Israel, king of Jehoiakim, takes all of these articles of God. These are like, these are, man, these are coveted items that the Israelites have protected for hundreds of years. And, and all of a sudden, there's a, they take them and they just rob them of their, their history. Their, they take their culture basically and say, these are just our treasures now. We just defeated you. 
come serve us. And here's what happens. The king of Babylon ordered Ashpenaz, that's an important character in our story, chief of his official of his court's officials to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. This is an important, we're going to learn in a moment, this is a big deal. It's not just like, oh, sweet, we get wine and food, like, awesome. No, no, no. This is actually going to go against their value system as, as Israelites because they had dietary restrictions that set them apart from the rest of the world. In other words, they're going to be challenged on their core beliefs. They're going to be, cha- they're, they're going to be challenged. Am I going to live my convictions or am I going to cave to culture? Anyone felt that lately? Anyone felt like if I post this or share this or like this, am I going to be called to question in another circle? If I speak truth, am I going to be questioned and am I going to be able to defend this truth? Do I know enough about the Bible or have I thought about my value? Have we felt that tension, church? Am I going to live for God or am I going to live the culture's way? This is really the tension that these Babylonian uh, or these, these Israelites were facing in this moment. So the king assigns them this food. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these, watch this, here's our, here's our guys, were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Let's pray. Father God, teach us from your word. Help us to walk out of here encouraged, challenged, um, and really changed, Lord, to, to live for you, to resolve, to, to say, you know what? No matter what comes my way this season, I'm gonna live for Jesus. I'm going to live my values. I'm going to be a person of resolution. I'm going to say, you know what, God, no matter what happens, I want to live for you. Help us to do that by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So what do you do when culture shifts? Like when culture shifts, but better yet, when culture shifts, will you shift? I remember like, how many of you guys have ever been on a beach, and uh, all of us probably, and you've been in the water, and you go out to surf, or you go out to boogie board, or whatever you do out in the water, and you're out there for a little while, and before you know it, you look up, and you look back at the beach, and you're like, I can't quite see my group, you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, like, be unbeknownst to you, over the last, like, you know, 20, 30, 45 minutes, the current of the ocean actually began to pull you further and further away from, your, from where you had started. And I think we're facing this in our culture all the time. This is nothing new. But I do, I do think something's happened in the last 18 months where Christians, that we, when we were, like, we were like, hey, you know what? We know our God and we know what we believe and we're good. Like, I'm gonna serve God no matter what, so I don't care what culture does. But unbeknownst to us, while we were sleeping, while we were not engaging with culture, here's what happened. A bunch of people that don't believe in truth and don't believe in mark, mile markers and don't even believe in what they say because they, it flip-flops every single day, a lot of people in culture have somehow set the temperature for everybody else. And so 95% of the world's going, actually, I don't think I believe that. I don't know if I agree with that. But because we kind of took a step back from engaging with culture, I think what's happened is a lot of people have drifted. And the church, the capital C church, 
I think it's, it's not our job to go, they need to do this and they ought to do that. I think we need to stop for a minute. And if you're a Christian here, and if you're not, I'm just glad you're here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I think it's time we stop looking at all of them and what they're doing so much and just go, you know what? This is a season of my life where I need to, st- I can't control what other people do, but I can take a good inventory of what do I actually believe? Like, what am I willing to put it on the line for? What am I willing to say? The line stops here. This is as far as I'm going to go. Like, I know this is what you believe, and I know we can agree to disagree, but as soon as it crosses this line, and I know I'm being forced to do something I know is not from God, I'm forced to be a part of a culture that I know goes against my value system, that's when I have to go, man, as for me, I can't do that. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to see a culture in this, in this day and age, in 600 B.C., that was far from Yahweh, far from God. I remember watching uh, TV. How many of you guys watched, have ever seen the show, I Love Lucy? Anyone seen the show? Hello, say I'm home, right? And she's like, ranking. Yeah, yeah, you know. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about, dude? Um, yeah, just Google it. And so... I remember watching Nick at Night, and I would watch this show, and I was into it. I was like, like eight years old. I'm like, this is good. Like that and Maury Povich, eight year old. Eight year old. I'm like, yeah, this is good stuff. Um, <laughs> so we have, uh, we got like, we watched this show, and I remember me and my sister were like, we asked my parents, like, why are they in separate beds in their master bedroom? And my mom was like, I don't know. That's just what people did back then. And I'm like, and what I found, I Googled it. It's not true. Uh, mom, that's not what they did. Um, they, the producers thought it was too risque for them to actually show two people in the same bed. It was a little too much for TV. It's too hot for TV, right? So they said two twin-size beds. And I guess when they wanted to, to, you know, do married couple stuff, they would push the beds together. That's what they would do. I don't know. Now we have the bachelorette. Or The Bachelor, you choose. You guys, I, I'm not judging anybody. Don't, don't, don't give me, I'm not going down that road. I'm just saying, you got 20 girls or guys, you're like, I guess I'm gonna sleep with all of them and see which one's gonna be my spouse. That's, we've, can we just all agree? I mean, whether you love the show or not, can we just agree, we've shifted in culture. Raise your hand if you think we've shifted. Okay, thank you. 46% agree with me. I gotta preach better, okay. Now, here's what I'm not, going to do. I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to give you a list of things you can and can't do. Maybe if you, like, want, maybe we need to have more of that. And I think we're working on some catechism type things, some, some, uh, some doctrinal things in our own. Like, how can we create a class or a place where people can learn more about the doctrines of God? Because I really believe the scripture is truth. And I believe that most of us aren't always sure what we believe. And I think the church needs to fill that vacuum. But I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus. And he's a way better, uh, he has a way better job of, than I can do of convicting you to showing you the things that that is not for me. Some people it is, but me, I can't go there. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to go there. So I'm not going to make you follow a list of rules because honestly, for many of us, that's behavior modification, and behavior modification lasts a little while, but as soon as you're by yourself and as soon as you have enough, if you're not around, if you're not being a person of integrity, by the word, the root word for integrity is integer, meaning one. So, so when you are multiple people around, like when you have four or five different versions of yourself, you're not integrated, you're not, you're not the one and the same. 
you will actually make a choice over here because no one's going to know about it over here because I'm on vacation. And you'll make different choices depending on the culture that you're around versus saying, God, help me to be the person that you called me to be no matter what, if I'm at church or if I'm at the party on Friday or I'm out of town and no one knows who I am. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this. And here's what I know, church. I want to connect you to the God that can ultimately be the person, be the, the counselor for you to go, don't do that. So you're doing it not to honor some religious activity that you do on Sunday. You're doing it because you really believe that God is for you, he's in you, and that one day you're going to stand before God and he's, you're going to give an account. That's the spirit of God's work in your life. Now, we're shifting, culture is shifting, okay? And today we're gonna to look at this Old Testament story and I'm gonna show you three things that culture will do if you let it. So three things, and then I'm gonna tell you some solutions to that and we'll walk out of here and we'll have some hot dogs, okay? Daniel 1.7, the chief official gave them new names. Watch this, this is crazy. Culture wants to relabel you. Culture doesn't want, culture will give you a new name. And here we see, to Daniel, the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. The first goal of culture, if you're taking notes, is this. Culture will try to rename you. Oh, you're one of those. Boop. And then you believe it. Oh, you're this. Boop. You got your, you got your label. Culture's great at labeling. Want to know why? Because culture is constantly trying to control you. I would pay, take it a step further. The enemy has a name for you and it's nothing like God sees you. It's a false name and it's a lie. It's some of you are believing the lie that the enemy put on you a label long time ago and you're like, well, I'm just always fill in the blank. I'm the blank one. I'm the black sheep of the family. No one likes me. My sister's better. My brother, I'm just the, you've put a label on yourself that the enemy's kind of got into you and the culture that we live in loves doing this. It's going to be, listen, culture is going to try to change your identity from who God made you to be to what the world wants you to be like. That's always culture. The enemy's constantly doing this. It's a, you want to want, here's why. The one thing that the enemy can't have with God is relationship. He's cut off. Satan was cut off from God. So you want to know what his biggest attack is on you? He's going to lie to you and say, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. You, you know who you really are behind closed doors and he'll lie to you and give you a false label so that you believe you're not loved by the father. He tries to attack your, your sonship, your daughtership. He goes after your identity because the culture wants to rename you. Now, the second thing that I want to, I'll show you before, before we go there, I want to share, you a quick, share with you a quick story. I'm, I remember being in high school and my parents went through a divorce and I kind of like, you know, family stuff. And I remember like 15 years old. That's why it's so important to have your students in youth ministry. I'm telling you guys, get your kids to church. But I remember like my parents divorced. I kind of floated, you know, I was like baseball player, grew up, I uh, went to Stockton High School, grew up in Bakersfield. 
I was, I was having fun, but I remember a season of my life where I began to flow. And about 15 years old, that's when I started finding all the bad stuff. I was like, okay, these are the group of friends I'm hanging out with. These are the parties I'm going to. And I took on a false name of Adam is just a whatever. I'm, I was insecure, so I wanted to be alike. So I started hanging out with these guys because they were having fun. They were going to parties. I, I wanted to drive a cool car, so I got a cool car. Like I began to do everything from a place of, what, who am I? And maybe the culture will tell me. You ever been there? Maybe this friend, group of friends will tell me that I'm cool and accepted. And so I began to live a life of who am I? And if I, I didn't know God, so I began to look at culture to tell me and define what my name was. And I'll never forget, I graduated high school and uh, I went to college. And, and uh, how many of you guys know, the freshman year of college, you go to a speech class. Anyone done speech yet? At least they did it back in my day. Speech class, you have to give speeches. Dude, I was so terrified of giving a speech. I couldn't even get up in front of people and talk. I, got, I would sweat bullets. I remember the third class, I literally got up from the class and I never went back. <laughs> I dropped out of speech. I eventually had to do it again. But I remember I, I didn't know Jesus. I was far from God. And I'll never forget, I thought, I, you, Adam, you cannot speak in public. I wore label that said you're insecure, you're not good enough, and I believed it for so long that I actually started living in such a way that was taking me further and further into a, a person that God never created or intended for me to be. Let me ask you something. Maybe like me, look, I, I do this for a living now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I talk to people, thousands of people every month for a living. God had a better label for me, a better name. Maybe just maybe God has a redemptive name for you as well. That the name you've been believing is not the name that God's given you. Amen? Amen. Failed my speech class. No joke. Let me show you something in the Bible about names. Names are important. Anyone ever name something? Ever name, anyone name a kid? That's a big deal. <laughs> like, like, don't look for, the Old Testament's got some crazy names. Be careful, okay? Be careful. Some names sound cool, and then you find out, like, it, it means, like, shoe or something. Like, what? It means, yeah, son of my shoe. Uh, what? Check out the four, this will trip you out, the four names of the Hebrew boys that they changed. So the Hebrew name of Daniel, uh, his name was Daniel, and meant God is my judge, okay? Meaning, I only fear God. Only God can judge me. He was like, before Tupac, only God can judge me. His, his Babylonian name, check this out, is Belteshazzar. New name, new microphone. Check one, check. Oh, gosh. All right, guys, listen up. Can you hear me now? This is my chance to sing. All right. New mic, new name. Okay. The Babylonian name Belteshazzar, what does that mean? Lady, protect the king. Wait a minute, he's a boy. Not a, not a lady. And this is where gender confusion happens. The enemy, I'm telling you, the enemy will come in and try to mess with you, confuse you about your sexuality, confuse you about all sorts of things, and the world will come in and say, this is normal. And if you don't accept this as normal, then you hate all these people, which Christians go, no, I actually love everybody. And I don't define anybody by their sin. I don't. I define people by God's, they're, God, they're loved by God. They have immeasurable worth and value in the name of Jesus because he created them. And God doesn't make mistakes. But like Daniel, 
And like these four Israelites, I cannot let culture tell me something's true when my Bible and my God says it's not. I have to go to a place where I go, I love you, but I still hold to these values because I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't get to pick and choose which part of the Bible I follow and which part I ignore. It go, it, see, what happens for Daniel, it took the focus, it took the focus from God to man's opinion. Anytime, listen, I'm telling you, anytime you take God's opinion and you make it secondary or tertiary to man's opinion, you will leave, you will find yourself far from God eventually. If you put your feelings above what God's word says or what God mandates, you will eventually feel like you're divided because you will not, God will not let you, let you live with peace very long when you're doing something or living in such a way that is not God's best for your life. Eventually, you'll have to come before God and you'll say, God, what do you want for my life? And I'm telling you, if you put God first in this area and you actually say, you know what, God is my judge and he is the one that loves me, he is my God, then he'll begin to speak to you in areas that only he could speak to you in. Number two, the Hebrew name Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious, meaning he's got grace on me, undeserved forgiveness. Babylonian Hananiah means Shadrach. They took the name Shadrach means I'm fearful of God. The focus went from God is good all the time to God is bad and just sit there and be, you know, be mad. <laughs> It's like, no, 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 God's not good, God's bad. He's trying to, see, culture will tell you, your God just wants to take all the fun from you. Your God, you, you go sleep with whoever you want because God's also, God doesn't need, God doesn't care about that. He just wants to make it boring. Go, go do whatever you want. Live like they're just, remember YOLO like eight years ago? YOLO, you already know that, now she want a photo. Like, no, YOLO, you, live, you don't live once. You live once on this earth and then you spend eternity somewhere, either connected to God forever or disconnected. You only live once. That's a bad theology. It could be, it slaps, but it's a bad, it's bad theology. That's what the kids say. It slaps. I said it and you, I fooled you. I'm like, I don't say that. Some people are like, what? Slap? It means a song is good if it slaps. I didn't know that either, so don't laugh at me. Laugh at me too. By the way, church can be fun. Amen? Thank you. Next Hebrew name is Mishael. Here's what it means. Who is what God is? In other words, there's nobody like my God, man. My God is amazing. There's no one like Jesus. Come on. But the Babylonian culture, here's what your name is. Your name's Meshach. Oh, what's Meshach mean? I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. What? Yeah. It went from God, there's nobody like my God to sit down, you're nothing. Be filled with shame, filled with guilt. Here's what culture will try to tell you. Your God, your God is not for you. As a matter of fact, your God, your God is, there's, there's, there's a million ways to God and just be a good person and just do good and eventually, no, that's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and nobody can get to God except through him. It's inclusive, but it's exclusively through Jesus. Come on, somebody, help me preach. It's for everybody, it's for everybody, but very few people will find the narrow way. That the, the gates, literally the streets, 
the streets, the highways to destruction are just, man, it's, it's like four or five lanes all the way. But the, man, the way to find everlasting life, it's a narrow road and few will find it. Jesus taught like it's, man, the whole culture tells you just to live this way, but there's a, there's a better way and his name is Jesus. And we see this in, we see this with Mishael and his name being Shadrach, despised, contemptible. The focus went from confidence to cowardice. You know, the God's people, we should be the most confident people on, pl- on planet earth. But I think we forget who we are. I think that's why it's so important to be, to be connected to a local church. Now, there's great churches in Slow. You should, you should be a part of a church. I don't, this is not me going, you need part of active church, we're the best. No, 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 I like our church though. Like, I would go to our church. I like our church. But I'm telling you, this is important. Listen up, listen up. We, we have to be a part of a local church. Here's why. Because your cult, the culture you live in and I live in is constantly shifting and constantly saying all sorts of things. And when you forget who you are, and more importantly, when you forget whose you are, you will begin to live in such a way that you, you, you forget about your value system and you begin to just go with the flow. And when you do that, you have to, there's a time where you have to take a stand and go, I know everyone's saying this and I know everyone's going this way, but, but that is not a, lay, a way that I want to live. So I guess I'm just going to take a step back. And at a certain point, we have to look at ourselves and go, am I really, really living set apart or do I look like everybody else? Because if our words are strong, but our actions don't back up what we're saying, then we're not going to have the kind of influence that Daniel had in a Babylonian culture that so desperately needed to hear from Yahweh will look like everybody else. And the last name is Azariah. It means Yahweh has helped. He changed his name to Abednego. It's a Babylonian name. It means servant of Nebo, from son to slave. So how do we do this? When culture shifts, what do we do? First of all, um, I'm urging you to get in a life group because culture is going to shift. You need some people to do life with. When you feel like you're the only one, like, do I really believe this? Or do I really, can I really live this way? Get around some men, get around some women, get around some couples and start doing life with other people. Here's what happened. Daniel had some friends he was doing life with. And here's what he and his friends decided. Watch this. Daniel 1.8. Daniel resolved. Watch this. He resolved. That means to be resolute in your attitude. Like, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to do this. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile his body. So basically he said, hey guys, they're all going to do this, but we, we have dietary restrictions. We're not going to do this, guys. We're not going to live that way. And he actually asked Ashpenaz, he goes, hey, he goes, hey, can I have permission? Excuse me, Ashpenaz, me and my buddies don't want to live this way, and I know other guys are going to do this. And watch this. The minute you start trying to change other people because you don't like how they live is the minute you start losing your peace because you don't have control over other, other people. You don't have autonomy. You don't have sovereignty over them. They're, they have their own decisions to make and they'll stand before God one day. You need to go to your God and go, God, I don't know what they're gonna do, but I'm gonna do this. The more they is in your vocabulary, the more it actually reveals that there's some unresolved pain in your life. Well, they and they and they and they. I can't believe they and they and they. It's like, well, have you? When's the last time you talked to God about you? When's the last time you said, God, t- change me? Let me influence them. 
And he goes, give me, give me, give me like, I, I just help me out, Ashpenaz. We'll try this for a season. Because Daniel was, well, he couldn't eat the food. He couldn't drink the wine. It was against his, his convictions. It was against his, his value system. And he, check this out. He doesn't just go up to Ashpenaz. <laughs> this is like, this is called tact. Approaches everything. You don't just go, you don't, you can actually be defiant in a godly way. Do you know that? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying be that person, like, you know, in people's faces, holding a sign. Well, that's, that's not, don't be brash. But there's going to be a time, I'm telling you, it's coming. Listen to me. For those of you who follow Jesus and you really, really mean it, there's going to come a day and age, I don't know when, but the Bible talks about it, where we're going to have to say no to what culture is telling us to do. And there's going to be consequences. And in that moment, if you don't know whose you are and you don't have your identity rooted in your Christ, you, will, you might compromise. And I'm here to tell you, there's a, there needs to be a resolve in you that says, you know what? I politely decline right now. I politely back away from, I'm just, for me and my, that's just not for me and us, that we're not going to do that. See, culture will constantly get you to, to cross the line. And by the way, we're not there yet. <laughs> You're like, what? We're not there yet. I don't see that happening right now. I don't see, I don't see my ability. Uh, it, it's coming. I believe it is for the church. I think we need to be strong and we need to be ready. But I don't think we're there yet. I don't think government has, has encroached all the way on my ability to worship. I don't think I could still proclaim Jesus. I could still live for Jesus. I could still uh, do certain things. I think the government, I think there are powers that want to take away your sovereignty and your free will. I think so. Because guess what? The enemy hates you. He hates me. But can I just tell you something? Don't be that Christian that's going and looking for the boogeyman under every stone. Oh, here's the devil! I'm like, no, it's just people. Here's the devil! He's gonna get... No, no, that's just a, a, a lawyer that became a politician and made bad, has bad ideas. But you can resolve to be a person of faith and go, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be a person that says, you know what? I'm going to, as long as I'm not, it's not forcing me to sin, I can still live and worship. I'm going to be able to live in a way that I still influence my culture and I don't just run into my echo chamber and just believe everything that everyone tells me on the internet. Can we just agree that we're the church of Jesus Christ and we're called to make a difference in the lives of other people? So the minute we label everyone else, you're not like me, you're this, we actually are playing right into the devil's trap. We have to engage culture. That wasn't on my notes, so please forgive me if I said anything that was stupid. <laughs> Number two, it will try to tame you. Culture will try to tame you. The band can come up. Culture always wants to lure us into people that have no convictions. Culture is saying, yeah, you can go to church, but don't let it impact the way you, uh, the way you live your life. Yeah, you can go to church and, hide and go, go on Sundays, do whatever you want, but just don't, make sure you don't have a strong opinion about anything that actually matters. <laughs> it wants to distract you so that you don't even know what your values are. Culture is, is trying to get you down a, a path that you're like, I don't know, maybe. It's like my buddy and I were talking yesterday and, and he's like, yeah, man. Uh, he goes, culture, he goes, I feel like I don't even know where to put my hope anymore, where to put my trust. And I encouraged him, I prayed with him, and he, he, he watches online, he might, he might watch online. 
I don't know if he's plugged into a church right now, but he's watching culture shift. And he would say, you know, Adam, I don't know what to do sometimes. And some, maybe you felt that tension lately. Like, where do I put my hope when everything's going, kind of feeling like the, it's like an ocean. And one day it's this, and next day it's that, and it's border stuff, and it's vaccine stuff, and it's, you know, where, mass stuff or no mass stuff. It's like, it's, is, is the government going to overtake us? Is it, it's like all these things. And guess what? You want to know what I noticed? If you turn off your phone and get off Twitter and Facebook long enough and Insta, and you start actually reflecting on what you believe because of the word of God, like this is what I believe, then guess what? There's nothing that this world could do to, to tame you because Christ is your, he's your savior. He's your God. We all have convictions. And as I close, I believe that one of our convictions should be people that were devoted to the word, we're devoted to prayer and we're devoted to this community called the local church. That's why it's so important to do life together. That's why it's so important to, to actually reach out. Like today, you're gonna see someone afterwards and you're gonna be like, oh, what's up, dude? Or, hey, what's up? And you're gonna like not know them. Be the person to say, hey, I don't think I've met you. My name's Adam. Walk across the room, say hi to someone, connect to someone today. When our culture shifts, listen, don't lose your conviction. Culture shifting, it's not the same way. It's not the same. It will never be. People are inventing truth these days. What happens when culture shifts? Here's what Daniel did. I'll close with this. Now, God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid um, the Lord, my king, who has assigned you your food and drink, uh, he's gonna see you looking worse than the other younger men our age, and the king would then have my head because of you. In other words, you're gonna look like junk and I'm going to be killed. So no, I don't want you to eat, to disregard the, the king's food. And he goes, watch this. Then Daniel said, no, 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 guard. Uh, Daniel said to the guard, the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Az Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Test us and see if we don't look better than the rest of the dudes. 10 days. Bible quiz, what does 10 represent? Testing. Ten Commandments, testing faith in God. A tenth of your income, a tithe. The Bible says in Malachi, it's a test. Test me in this area. Ten days in the upper room, the disciples would, would stay there while they were being hunted down, afraid of their, losing their lives, and they'd come out victorious, filled with the Spirit of God to change the, to change the world through the power of Christ and the gospel. Ten is the number of testing. He says this, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. Listen, church, eventually you're gonna be tested. You'll be tested. The test is the process in which you discover where your faith actually lies. If you pass, praise God. If you fail, praise God. <laughs> ask him for forgiveness, dust yourself off, come back in the presence of God and ask God to bring the test again, because it will, it'll come. And ask him, Lord, give me strength to pass the test. When culture tells me to live this way, help me to be a person of conviction, a person that lives a biblical worldview, and not just talks about God, but actually lives out the truth of the gospel. 
There's going to come a time where you're like, I'm sorry, I can't go there. I can't go to that party. I, I can't hang out with you. I, I can't. I can't look at that. I can't go on a date. Like, I'm not going to date like everybody else. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, maybe you're divorced and you're like, man, there's all these girls, all these guys. Like, just pause for a minute. Say, I'm not going to do what everyone else does when they get divorced. I'm not going to go date a bunch of people. I'm not going to move in together, even though it would be cheaper and easier. I'm not going to do that. I'm saving myself for marriage. You might have to say, I'm saving myself for someone. Like, I know God's got someone for me. Maybe you're a leader and you're, you're like influential and you're like, man, I know I could do that but I'm a leader and I wanna be in front of the pack, not with the pack, so I'm gonna to choose to, to say no to that even though I could if I wanted to, but I wanna maintain my, my influence. Why? Because culture wants to claim you as its own. And Christ has already claimed you. You're loved by Jesus. He already calls you son or daughter. You just have to receive it in Jesus' name. I didn't grow up with this kind of resolve. When I was 13 years old, I was 12, all my friends were 13, I was young, I was like the youngest of my group. And uh, one day, Trevor got like this magazine, right? It's embarrassing, I know. And it was like four of us, and, and I never forget, he's like, dude, look at this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? And, uh, and then everyone's like, this is crazy. And, and then David got up, from the, from the room and, and he stood in the corner. And I'm like, we're like, David, what are you doing? And then David gets out and walks out. 13 years old, I'm 12. I'm like, where's he going? And I run after David, he gets his bike and he goes, I'm like, where are you going, Dave? He's like, I can't look at that. I said, why, dude? Like, it's no big deal. He goes, I, I can't look at that, Adam, because that goes against what I believe. 13 year old, yeah. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, my dad told me one day that I was gonna have to, that this was gonna happen. And I'd be tested. I promise to God, it's a true story. My dad told me that one day I would have this moment. And in that moment, he said, son, I want you to do the right thing and listen to God and be brave. Because I don't believe that that's how we should look at women. And I said, what? I'm 12 years old. I didn't even know what I was looking at really. I was like, really? And he rides off. He never went back to Trevor's house ever again. Dude, I'm telling you, that was a cultural shift for him. He was saying, I'm not going to live like everybody else does. I'm not going to do what everyone else does. I never forgot about that. Years later, seven, eight years later, his dad would start a Bible study. Steve Downs. Thank you, Steve Downs, if you're watching. He would start a Bible study at River Lakes Church and that Bible study would eventually impact my life. And because of that Bible study, I heard about the gospel. They were praying for me. And by the grace of God, I accepted Jesus in 2004, November 4th, 2004, because of that man's choice to say, as for me and my house, we're not gonna compromise. We're gonna raise up young men that believe that women are not objects, but they are created in the image of God. They're not looked to be looked at that way. And David, because he knew God, was an example for me even when I made the wrong choice. Don't give in to the pressure. You will be tested. This week, this month, this year, will you give in to the pressure? At the end of 10 days, check this out. They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men. That's so cool. God's so good. God will honor you when you do it his way. I know it's gonna be harder. 
It always is. But God honored them. And watch this. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink. And he gave them vegetables and said to these four young men, God gave them knowledge, understanding, and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, watch this, he found them 10 times better than all the other magicians or enchanters in the whole kingdom. God honored his choice to do it God's way and God elevated them in the king's office. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you will do it God's way, it's 10 times better than anything the world can offer you. It's a hundred times better. It's an eternity full of God's presence and power and his love. If you do it God's way, I'm here to encourage you this morning. There's two questions I'll leave you with. The first is, will I change? You need to ask yourself, will I change the world or will the world change me? Will I be the thermostat or the thermometer? Will I, will I impact and set the tone of the culture or will, will I just simply reflect the culture? And the second question is this, will my identity come from God or from the world? When people see you, are they gonna see Jesus living in you or are they just gonna see the world? Why? Because you have been called. If you're a Christian, you've been called set apart to be like a, a city on a hill that people might see your life, see your good deeds, see the way you interact with God and glorify your Father in heaven. We're called to be the church. We're called to be set apart, holy. We're called to live in this culture, to be in this world, but not of the world, to make a difference.